0: You're listening to the state of our football nation on FNR. Uh, It's been so long in preseason, the longest preseason in the world. Not only can I say we're broadcasting out of our new studios at FNR, they're four year new. And uh, I get excited every time we come back in because we've been locked down for so long. Mm. It you know, feels
1: new uh, every time we walk in. Wait till the studio I tell our guest—he's actually going to
0: be talking to the people who uh, 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 are the citizens of the lockdown capital of the world. Can you believe it? Uh, hey. I always thought Middle Earth or New Zealand had a special place in the world, but wait till I tell <laughs> our guest Jason Pine, uh, mate. Welcome to Victoria. Welcome to FNR. And can you believe it? Uh, We're going to talk about something that's had a fantastic holiday for about five and a half months. We're going to talk footy.
2: Yeah, amazing. Great to be with you boys. Look, uh, I mean, uh, nothing I like talking about more than football. As you say, the off season is interminably long, isn't it? And we try to find stories here and there and any scaric of information we can find about transfers or, you know, or, or player news or, you know, God forbid, injuries in the off season.
0: But now we can talk about some actual games. We're back. We're back. Uh, Jason, I thought you were going to spend that five and a half months looking for another Mexican. (laughs) <laughs> well, i tell you what, the one we had
2: before was pretty good at Wellington Phoenix. Uli Davila, yeah, Johnny Warren medalist, of course, um, plucked out of, I won't say obscurity because he'd had a couple of uh, couple of clubs, the likes of Chelsea and others, before Ufuk Talley picked him up. But um, yeah, he was very good for, for Wellington, wasn't he? And, and a big loss to the team. Uh, interesting quirk of the draw that the Davila derby was first up the other night when um, his new side MacArthur um, hosted, I guess you'd say hosted an in inverted commas, was uh, wellington and uh look i thought um, the Knicks did a pretty good job on him actually he had the odd odd chance to to shine but i guess it's a you know if anyone's going to know how to shut him down it's fork tele and i think they did a pretty good job
1: i mean what is it about these new expansion a-league size that keep poaching wellington phoenix players they're vultures <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like Western United, wasn't it? They took took the coach, the couple of players, and um, yeah. Look, I think it, it, in some ways it's a bit of a feather in the cap for Wellington, and that you know players like um, you know like Davila, and uh, who else do we have? Um, Hemed. Uh, Philip Cur- Philip Kirtow, Cur- obviously gone to Hemed. Western Sydney. Yep. Yeah, I mean that they've played in a team which has allowed them to showcase their abilities. And uh, yeah, the downside of that for Wellington, obviously, is that they get their heads turned by um, by, by bigger clubs on the other side of the Tasman. But look, Ufuk is a great recruiter. I don't think he's had a dud, certainly in the international players that he signed. So when January rolls around, guys, let's hope that he can uh, weave his magic again and bring another couple of international uh, players of good repute to the club.
0: Spot on. Um, I've got to say, I concur a hundred percent about the coach, your, man, your manager. Uh, f- just before he was anointed, there was there was an enormous uh, negativity being sprouted that you'd lost the man who had given you such a lift. Now he's come in, and from that day you know as low as the club had got as low as the the ratings or the you know the 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 um uh, the number metrics. of mentions yeah, metrics. the metrics very, metrics. Good. Metrics. Yep. very yep. good
1: the magic david Gallup. Uh, <laughs> <word>. sky <laughs>
0: sports metric knows these things um uh, yes the metrics uh, from that moment on he's done nothing but lift everything and he's lifted the way they play He's not shirked a challenge. And, in fact, I, I, I think we touched on it beforehand before we started today. I said to you, every obstacle, he's made a challenge. And, and, and when you turn that language around, then you allow players to, to feel the positivity. And they've just joined him on this journey. And, my goodness, what a journey it's been. They were, they were told you'd been burnished to Wollongong. N- not only is that not a Maori word, right, uh, it's in Australia, mainland, they've, they've actually brought their families over or, uh, for a little while and they've, they've actually fitted in like it was their normal base of, of operations. I've been so impressed, so impressed. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I have too, George, and, and I think you know adversity sometimes can well can do one of two things, can't it? It can yep. really affect a team, or it can bring out the best in a team. And and I think under Rufoke Talley, what Wellington have managed to do is to um to pinch a um to pinch a line from a poem that I was um was uh, alluded to recently. He's turned stumbling blocks into stepping stones, and, and you know and done it brilliantly. You know, as you say, obstacles have, have been put in his way, and he's found a way around them. And and you're right. When Mark Rudan left the football club one year into a two-year deal, a lot of people were, you know, were um, wondering, you know, what would happen to the club next? Um, you know, we knew Ufuk Talley. We knew who he was as a player and as an assistant coach with Sydney FC under Stevie Corica. But beyond that, we didn't really know too much about his coaching credentials. But from day one, his recruitment has been spot on, as I say. Uh, tactically, he's um, he's extremely astute. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to Ufuk earlier today. And one thing he's also now very, very to banish is any thought that wellington are underdogs now that they're a team that are just making up the numbers that that when you come up against wellington you should have an easy three points he says well, he said it in rather colorful language but he said you know no bugger that that's not that's not us anymore we are now a, a team that every time we go out we're looking for three points teams should come to Wollongong gong mm. or wellington when that opportunity arises and fear the, um, you know, the challenge that they're going to face. So, you know, I love the way he's turned things around, the language he uses and, and the players he's brought through and the style of football that he encourages them to play.
1: Well, it wouldn't be A-League preseason without most uh, mainland Australian pundits writing off the Wellington Phoenix, would it? I mean, no. they, they live as underdogs. That's been their identity. And, I mean, we like to joke about something on here at the station, uh, the name recognition index, uh, which seems to colour all preconceptions uh, before you actually see a team on the park. And Wellington have gone very local and very young with their recruitment, flown under the radar yet again. But do you think they'll, they'll cause some upsets again this season and push for finals?
2: Well, yeah, it'll be tougher than last season, Josh, um, because of the players they've lost, you know, in Davila and Hamed, once he came right in the second half of the season, Cam Devlin, who, I mean, what a revelation he was Mm -hmm. when he, when he came to Wellington, Stevie Taylor's gone now, of course. So they've lost some big players. They've lost a spine of players, Taylor, Devlin, Davila and Hamed, you know, stripped that right out straight away. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So look, I, I think, as you've said, they have gone under the radar for that reason, because they don't have any big names, only two imports. Um, Gary Hooper's come back to the club to join David Ball, so just the two Englishmen there uh, that may change in January of course but what uh, Ufolks had to do is rely largely on in fact almost entirely on New Zealand and Australian players, but you look at the first 11 mm. and it ain't too bad, you know there's a bit of mm. spark there, Hooper and Ball Reno Piscopo, Piscopo who I thought yeah. was exceptional at the end of last season and, and really was knocking on the door of a Socceroos call up, so I mean he's obviously got big boots to fill with A couple of new youngsters to the side who people haven't heard of, but they had heard of Libby Kakachi either or Sarpreet Singh before they came along or Ben Wayne. And Ben Old is a new player, um, a young player with a, an old surname um, who is the next uh, one off that production line at Wellington Phoenix's Academy. So, yeah, chances uh, will be there for younger players. If they suffer a couple of injuries, guys, then things might get a little bit uh, more difficult for them because the depth just isn't there yet. But, um, look, the first 11 will give, um, give team a good go. Will they push for finals? It's probably a coin toss, but Mm. as we know from watching the A-League, anything can happen. Who would have predicted the table last year or the year before or the year before that? Nobody.
0: Nobody. Mm. Uh, We're talking to Jason Pine from Sky Sports in New Zealand uh, who's been uh, blessed with the fact that Sky Sports has picked up the the contract to to cover the game and, of course, his Wellington Phoenix. Uh, What's the the word in the streets in Auckland, in Wellington and so on? How do New Zealanders feel about this band of nomads, this band of brothers who are, you know, doing them proud, playing some really good football?
2: I think they're proud of them, George. I, I think there's a, a huge degree of pride a, and admiration at what Wellington have done to, to you know, to basically now head off for what will be effectively a third season uh, away from home. You know, when COVID hit, we were about halfway through uh, the 1920 season. They they played the back half of that season over there. All of last season, apart from those two games back in New Zealand, and you know, with with government uh, announcements in the last couple of days, it's looking very likely as though there'll be only two or three games back at home this season. And so there's a huge amount of admiration for what they've done. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, we'd love to see our football team in the flesh. Mm. You know, you know, you can watch them on television as much as you like, but there's nothing like getting along to a game, watching them play, whipping your shirt off after <laughs> 80 minutes. Not, not that I do that in the combox, very impartial, uh, <laughs> but, you know, seeing your team
0: up close. And we're not going to get many chances to do that again, unfortunately. The minute you said we love seeing it in the flesh, I knew where you were going. <laughs> uh, there's nothing – I've got to say, it, it, It's as a, as a super sports fan, there's nothing more exciting than seeing f- fans, r- supporters, really get into it. And it's minus seven in, in, in Auckland or Wellington, <laughs> wherever they were playing last year. The, yep. the last two games that you got, 26,000, 25,000, 25, just remarkable. And that was affirmation for me that this – this team of, of, of footballers had done very well, thank you very much. And, yeah. the, and the towns and the fans of New Zealand had got up and said, you know what? We're going to put our arms around you. They, they played some good football. And how yeah. unlucky they were not, I thought, if they'd gone one more step, maybe if they hadn't started so poorly in that first five games of last season, they may well have been uh, that really difficult team in the finals that you don't want to play.
2: Yeah, and and that's been um, the Phoenix's uh, downfall in the last two or three seasons, actually. It's the start. Mm. The start, you're right, because, I mean, you'll know. I mean, they they were 11 games unbeaten at the end of last season um, and and nearly made up that grand. George, another game, and you're right, they probably would have. Their last game was against MacArthur um, out at uh, Campbelltown, and I I was lucky enough to be at that game. I was in Australia, just happened to be over there, and and if you'd been a neutral, turned up to that game and watched the game and someone who said, okay, one of these teams is in the final, and one of them isn't. You would have picked the Phoenix all day long as the one that was in the finals. They played brilliantly that night. Uh, you know, sure, Macarthur knew they were secure in the finals, so rested a couple of players. But the the point stands, I think, that they were playing some really really good football. So, look, they're they back. They they will have learned a lot from last season in terms of living in Australia. They they've they've changed location slightly. They'll still play their games at Wollongong, but they're living closer um, closer up towards the the centre of town and. Um, are, up in, in Sydney and or, or not far. I think Chatswood is where they are. And, um, and that's they'll travel north down. Sydney. That's, that's yeah, north, north, yeah. That's on the yeah. side.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, they've, they've learned a few things. And look, again, I think it'll be a big ask, a big ask to mm. compete with some of these, these teams that have recruited really well. And you look at some of these rosters and you think, man, there's some footballers to look forward to there. But having said that, MacArthur are a, a good roster and the Phoenix played well against them the other night. So let's just see how the season plays out.
1: Is there an element with the buzz last season and those massive crowds uh, that were in the last couple of games when finally the fans got to attend some home games? Is there an element of the old, you know, Joni Mitchell line? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. <laughs> or do you think, you know, if the Wellington Phoenix finally do return to home permanently, that, that uh, I guess that uh, bandwagon will continue?
2: Well, you hope so, eh, Josh? Because you think, you know, if, if 25,000, 26,000 can turn up um, on a, on, a you know, on any given night then you think well why can't they turn up every week you know it's that whole where were you before mm. kind of thing mm. um, but but as we know scarcity is a you know scarcity is a, a powerful driver yeah. um, Wellington fans knew they would only have one game auckland fans knew they would only have one game so they turned up to it a- and the results were spectacular in terms of the scenes that you guys would have seen on television and we got the chance to see up close um, look I, I think you know yeah to coin another phrase absence does make the heart grow fonder mm. and uh, and not being there certainly certainly uh, the appetite of the fans when they could be there. So, yep, yeah, when they get home, uh, when and not if, when they get home, I think you'll see similar scenes um, at the back end of this season, and then let's hope for the following season we just go back to normal, it's home and away, and, uh, and we get some sort of, you know, five-figure crowds on a regular basis over here.
0: Uh, Jason Pine, uh, have I neglected to mention that New Zealand are part of a Women's World Cup and we're inside two years now, and Rebecca Stott who I think has been an absolute out now champion not only for New Zealand but for my Melbourne city. Um, she's back. She's looking good. She's, she's carrying one of these brand-new do's that's starting to make an impression. Um, what's the story there? How, how is the buzz going? Uh, are you in World Cup um, buzz yet or not? Has it yeah, not started
2: no, we, we are. And tomorrow, actually, um, at uh, Sky Stadium in Wellington, uh, it's the launch of the legacy program on this side of the Tasman. So this is obviously, the, as the name would suggest, the, the legacy that they hope to leave for the tournament and That'll be a lot about, of course, growing numbers and, and uh, you know, the greater good of the game. So, you know, we're starting to feel that buzz just on Rebecca's stop What a story. Mm. Man, what an absolute story that is, you know, from the from adversity to, to now, as you say, being back and, uh, and kicking the ball around. The football ferns, our, our women's side, are actually about to play two matches against South Korea. Uh, she hasn't been selected in that squad, but it won't be uh, too long before they call on her again and, and she's just been inspirational. But look, and, and let's not forget as well, George, the women's Wellington Phoenix, side now is also about to embark on their new adventure. They play their first game next Friday as part of a doubleheader. So, you know, the women's game is thriving, as we know, right around the world, particularly in Australasia and now finally in Wellington we have a, a women's team to, to play alongside our men's team. So, yeah, so two teams to, uh, to cheer on every week and, and again, we hope that they get home for some games as well.
0: You know, the, the one thing um, as a sports lover you, you tend to pick up very quickly is when you see a country and a nation that has a spirit about it when it comes to sport. We know about the infamous All Blacks. Sorry, the famous All Blacks. Um, I, I still revel in 1986 when Kenny Wright, the Ranwick 5'8", led the charge and absolutely obliterated the All Blacks at Eden Park. I think it was the last time that the Wallabies ever one at Eden Park, anyway. That's, that's there, a long right, time George, back. Good memory, yeah. yeah. Long, long time a, ago. As good a memory, Randwick yeah. man, I can't forget those golden <laughs> moments. But but I've noticed that the, the diamonds, your netball teams, at, at every time they venture out on the court, they want to win the world title. Um, uh, your your All Blacks are uh, when they're not losing the occasional game to France, and that comes every <laughs> eight years or something. Um, yep. They are remarkable, and and I'm I'm getting a feeling that New Zealand's going to get right behind the women. And we're going to see a a truly magnificent tournament with an outstanding turnout for opening game, which should be quite something. And it'll be the sort of spark we need to set 2023, the Women's World Cup, alight.
2: Yeah, I, I look. I totally agree, and I know we all know over here how good Australian fans are at supporting their teams and and hosting big events. And look, I still remember you know the Sydney Olympics in two thousand mm. and and the amazing scenes there. And and you know, I still recall Kathy Freeman winning that gold medal and just the you know just those those scenes. No pressure. No yeah, pressure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so look, I, I believe that, that New Zealand will, as I know, Australia will really get behind this tournament. Um, Sarai Barrowman, the uh, the head of the women's game at FIFA, is a Kiwi. And uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to her a couple of times, and you can just feel the excitement in her voice. And she says, look, people there don't realise how big this is going to be. And, and with a couple of years to go, there's still a lot of planning to do, and there's you know a bit of time to flow before we get to 2023. But when it arrives, and in the months leading up to it. I honestly believe it really is going to be a quite spectacular occasion and, and, and let's hope that both of our countries so we know Australia well the Matildas have been wonderful um, you know wonderful uh, wonderful team for a long time our ferns a bit of work to do but let's hope both teams can have really successful tournaments and, and the crowds really do flock along to these games.
1: Well, before 2023 comes 2022 and the road there too. And there was a report in New Zealand media recently that FIFA was considering changing the format of these playoffs that, of course, New Zealand, that we've left them behind in Oceania, are still uh, <laughs> still beholden to. Changing it to a one-legged game in a neutral venue, which I think would uh, absolutely end up being played in the Middle East, how would this affect New Zealand's chances of getting to another World Cup?
2: I, oddly enough, Josh, I don't, I don't mind that as a as a path to the World Cup. Um, you know, we, we've uh, in the Intercontinental uh, Playoff era, we've made it once and failed twice. We beat Bahrain over two legs to make twenty ten. Mexico was too big a step for us. Mm. Uh, twenty fourteen and Peru, while there was a goalless draw in the first leg, second leg in Lima was was always going to be tough, and mm. and uh, so a neutral venue and a one-off game takes away a couple of things. First of all, a hostile crowd mm. um, wherever we end up going if, if we're lucky enough to go um, and, and the second thing is it takes away the travel between the two places. Both teams just have to get to Qatar or wherever it might be and over 90 minutes, I wonder whether New Zealand might back themselves to beat uh, a, a nation that is almost inevitably going to be ranked higher than us uh, rather than across 180 minutes. The downside is that yeah, you know, we don't get those occasions in New Zealand anymore and they were magnificent occasions. Mm. against Bahrain, Mexico and Peru and the national association of New Zealand football misses out on a massive slice of revenue from ticket sales and oh. also from broadcast rights because you sell the broadcast rights back to Mexico and Peru and they were talking big money there. So yeah, so that's the downside but to answer the initial question, I don't mind it as a as a path mm. to Qatar. So uh, on Saturday morning actually we find out who gets drawn with who. So we know Oceania are in there, fifth place Asia, fourth place CONCACAF Fifth place, South America. Our big hope over here is that Australia finish fifth in Asia, and we get a playoff against
0: you guys. That would be (laughs) incredible. (laughs) I mean, an ANZAC Test series—just what we needed. (laughs) Just the one game, just the one ninety-minute game, George. Oh God. Well, you want to? I I I I remember when I started broadcasting, I had jet black hair. Look at it now. (laughs) Look at it now. It mouths like that that are at fault, do you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> too ma- way too many of those, uh, uh, you know, dates that have taken a toll on me. And, um, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. Can you imagine not only the consternation but the anticipation Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the and centenary look, of the Socceroos next sh- year, sh- and
1: James Johnson wants to play a friendly against New Zealand. He might not have to organise one after all. Have you told him there's no going. such
0: thing as a friendly? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. and, and, we, and, and it's so odd, isn't it? We play each other so infrequently. I think the last time might have been 2011. Mm. Um, I know we played each other in the lead-up to the World Cup uh, in 2010 uh, in Melbourne at the MCG. Was lucky enough to be there for that one, and then Adelaide the following year. Um, I think James Truisi got a goal um, for, for Australia to win that one either 3-1 or 2-1 my memory's failing me but I don't think we've played you since then 10 years is a long time it's only three hours across the ditch I think (laughs) we could all know something
0: you know something Um, I want to talk to you about this um, deal that Sky Sports have done do you get the exact uh, coverage that we are getting through what is Paramount plus CBS Viacom and Channel 10 we get, uh, yeah, in terms
2: of the game coverage, yes, we do. We get um, we get the commentary, obviously, Simon Hill and uh, and Teo the other night and, and all of the others. And so, Robbie yeah, we're Thompson
0: getting, and so on. Yeah, we yep. yeah,
2: get that. We had Robbie's commentary of the of the Phoenix game against MacArthur the other night. So we're getting all of that. We're getting some of the, the pre and post game shows as well. A good innovation though, well, it's a good innovation, I think, for, for fans over here is that for Wellington Phoenix home games, you know, meaning games in Wollongong, um, we're going to provide the commentary for that. So on Saturday, um, listeners here in New Zealand or viewers in New Zealand um, will hear myself and uh, a new man alongside former All-White and Phoenix goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley are going to be calling that game for the New Zealand audience. So nothing against the Australian guys, of course, but it just, I think, creates that link um, you know, with the Phoenix mm-hmm. while they're away, Absolutely. still some Kiwi voices calling it. And so we hope to do them justice in, um, in those, uh, in inverted commas, home games uh, while they're playing at Wollongong.
0: And you're also included in the media hub called uh, Keep Up.
2: Yes, indeed. Yep, we're we're there as well. It's um look it's an exciting time guys, isn't it, you know, for for football everywhere and I, I think probably you know like you I've been really impressed with um with what the the A leagues have have done in terms of promoting themselves and there's a lot of social media buzz there's a I know over there there's been a lot of cross promotion with Channel 10 etc so look it's you know it feels like a new dawn um and and there's a lot of momentum and excitement behind it so long may it continue I say because mm. you know there's plenty of football to look forward to with the the A league and the A leagues both you know men and women world cup qualifying for you guys and for us uh women's world cup a couple of years away um a feast to enjoy and it it feels like a good time to be involved in the game
1: i'm looking at the comments here there's some questions that have come through for you jason i don't know whether this is incredibly obscure or not because i don't follow the new zealand leagues but uh uh, our fijian footballers uh aficionado has asked about brian caltac from auckland city do you think he should be looked at more
2: Yeah, really good player, Brian Keltak. Uh, He's played for Auckland City for many years. And in fact, when Stephen Taylor left, um, I kind of jotted down four or five names of players playing locally who I thought could step into his boots uh, because, of course, getting international players in was going to be very difficult. And Brian Keltak was the guy at the top of my list. Really, really good player. Um, a, a composed uh, a st- strong defender good in the air gets up at set pieces and and scores goals I'm not sure why he wasn't looked at really because he's been one of the best uh, not just defenders but players going around our National League for a long long time so yeah I, I don't know whether he was approached or not approached I'm not sure what the situation is but well, we all know what happens with Roy Krishna you know mm. he was a guy who we plucked um, out of out of playing in the National League in New Zealand and he became the club's all time leading goal scorer 51 goals, and now he's off making millions in India. So, um, yeah, Keltex, uh, a guy who I think they possibly could have taken
0: a chance on. It's always exciting when you see a player come along out of nowhere, or seemingly out of nowhere, and they have that spark, that's something about them, whether it's their timing, whether their poise, or whether, or whether they s- sort of do things a bit differently. Like uh, Robbie, Robbie Thompson talked the other day that He thought Piscopo had done the wrong thing on the edge of the box. He thought he should pass it to the player running outside him. But he turned, and in that turn, he confused the defender. And, of course, from that Mm. became the penalty. So I love players who do something a bit different, who think a bit different, and it's exciting.
2: Yeah, I think all teams need them, don't they, George? You yep. know, you, you look around the league and and they're the ones who get the, the crowd sort of leaning forward in their seat a little bit. When the ball arrives at their feet, you know, something might happen. Davila was like that for Wellington last season and I'm sure will be the same again for MacArthur this season. Uh, Diamante at Western oh, United. Yeah. Uh, Piscopo uh, is another great example. He just has got such quick feet and there are many others around the league as well. But yeah, and it's good to see those players in the league because, you know, you. I mean, I watch I watch every game and and, and I enjoy watching, you know, I don't care, if it's you know Newcastle against Adelaide or Melbourne City against you know Western Sydney Wanderers or whatever it is, I watch them all. Um, but I know that the the more discerning fan, um, you know, will tune in to see players like that. And, and you know, we love seeing them lighting up our football fields.
0: Well, we've got uh, Robbie Thompson, who's now part of the commentary team, joining us after we finish with you. And um, what I've got to remind you of is a golden moment a lifetime ago it seems now, when there was a team in the A League called Melbourne Heart. And there was this six and a half foot, or six foot nine and a half. I think he was Orlando Engler. He he came out and in the preseason broke a leg. It took him an eternity to get fit because that's what happens with people who are never set, nearly seven foot tall. Mm. But when he came back, he scored a fifty-four yard goal out of nowhere, and the goalkeeper to this day is still flapping his arms, <laughs> thinking, "Why did he ever think about doing that?" Because they think a little bit outside the square. They have that poise, that presence of mind. And you've seen it in all sports, I'm sure, uh, Jason. And it's the most exhilarating thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, X-factor. I think they call it, yep. don't they? That's another cliche. But you're right. I remember Englar's goal. Actually, you know, looked up even to even to think about it, let alone try it, let alone execute. Yeah. You know, yeah, wonderful stuff, and kind of thing that gets replayed over and over again. It's um, yeah, any goal from halfway is uh is something <laughs> to remember. And yeah, look, I remember Engelar extremely well. He got a couple of goals against Wellington actually. So um, well, he probably did against most teams. So um, yeah, hopefully we see many more of his you know, of his ilk.
0: You know, he walked into uh, one of the AFL clubs to use the hyperbaric chamber when he was still injured, and he walked in, stripped down, and the, a- and the AFL boys, who think a lot of themselves were non-plus, could not believe the cut and, the, and the, this figure. It looked like he'd been cut out of stone. So, you know, it, he was a remarkable player, and we didn't see enough of him. Uh, he spent yes. too much time on injury. Listen, you've been magnificent. Uh, we wish you a tremendous season of cooling. Uh, good luck with Sky Sports in New Zealand. And keep us abreast of what's happening with both the women's and, of course, I'm sure we'll have more uh, about the, uh, the emergence of this one or two extra stars that Ufuk might, might ply and find in January when the transfer window opens up again.
2: Yeah, such a pleasure talking to you guys. Always love it. Keep uh you know, keep promoting the beautiful game. And uh yeah, always uh always have it chat at any time. See you soon.